Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. Get a cup of coffee or hot tea and sit with me as I read the song of our Syrian guest. It is one of my favorite reads of all time. It is not very long, but it is quite deep, as it expounds upon the true care of God towards us, and a new slant, maybe, a new way of looking at Psalm 23. Take a listen. I hope it blesses you and encourages you in these days. Love you all. All right, a few of my favorite reads. I hope that you'll get a cup of coffee and listen to this when you've got some time to meditate and to think. I'm sitting here in my office early morning, and I knew that this week was going to be dedicated to five of my favorite reads, books that have impacted me over the years, and I don't know that this particular one I've ever shared on any of my other podcast episodes. So get a cup of coffee and listen to this as I read from my favorite books. This first one is The Song of Our Syrian Guest. As best I know, it was written in about 1904. And it is the best I have ever read on understanding Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And in it, there is a guest from uh, the Middle East, from Syria, who's visiting this writer who writes this book. And the writer talks about how they've always been perplexed as to why Psalm 23 seems to be broken into two sections One where it is the shepherd taking care of the sheep. And then he always felt that suddenly then it shifts to a banquet hall and he sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies. But this gentleman from the Middle East uh, begins to help them to see and to weave together that Psalm 23 all the way through is about the deep care of the shepherd to the sheep. So I want to read this, and I understand that you may think this is too long. It's a very short little book, but in the reading of it, you understand I'm not here to excite you. You understand I'm here to deposit something in you that I believe will encourage you in the days ahead. So listen carefully. Now let me say that I am going to possibly... Uh, go over a paragraph here or there that I feel um, may not necessarily take anything away from the reading, but it could help us a little bit with the time. So I hope that you'll get a cup of coffee, and I hope that you will listen to this, even if it takes you two or three times to listen. Because remember, this is slow fire here at Tent Talk. It's the slow fire of God that sometimes it takes slowing down and letting the fire of God's presence and of his love literally um, t- 
touch you so deep within in the power of it and the simplicity of it. If we're not careful, we can miss this. So here we go. One of my favorite reads, the song of our Syrian guest. Fadjuel, said our guest, laughing as he leaned over the tea table toward two little maids, vainly trying to beguile their willing and sweetly puckered lips into pronouncing his name. Fadjuel, he repeated in syllables, pointing to the card that he had passed to them. He was a man of winsome mind, the Syrian guest of ours, and the spirituality of his culture was as marked as the refinement of his manners. We shall long remember him for the tales told that evening of his home on the slope of the Syrian mountains, but longest of all for what he said out of the memories of his youth about a shepherd's song. It was out of the shepherd life of my country, he remarked, that there came long ago that sweetest religious song ever written, the 23rd Psalm. After the ripple of his merriment with the children had passed, he turned to me, his host, with a face now serious and pensive, and said, Ah, so many things familiar to us are strange to you of America. Yes, I answered, and no doubt because of this we often make mistakes, which are more serious than mispronunciations of your modern names. He smiled pleasantly, then with earnestness said, So many things in the life of my people, the same now as in the days of old, have been woven into the words of the Bible and into the conceptions of religious ideas as expressed there. You of the Western world, not knowing these things as they are, often misunderstand what is written or at least fail to get a correct impression from it. Tell us some of these, I ventured, with a parental glance at two listening little faces. After mentioning several instances, he went on, And there is the shepherd's psalm. I find that it is taken among you as having two parts, the first under the figure of shepherd life, the second turning to the figure of a banquet with the host and the guest. Oh, we have talked about that, said my lady of the teacups, as she dangled the tea ball with a connoisseur's fondness. And we have even said that we wished the wonderful little psalm could have been finished in the one figure of shepherd life. It seems to us, I added, wishing to give suitable support to my lady's rather brave declaration of our sense of a literary flaw in the matchless psalm. It seems to us to lose the sweet, simple melody and to close with strange, heavy chords when it changes to a scene of banquet hospitality. Do you mean that it actually keeps the shepherd figure to the end? Certainly, good friends, he said. With keen personal interest, I asked him to tell us how we might see it as a shepherd's psalm throughout. So we listened as he talked over the cooling teacups. It is all, all a simple shepherd's psalm, he began. See how it runs through the round of shepherd life from first word to last? With softly modulated voice that had the rhythm of music and the hush of veneration in it, he quoted, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There is the opening strain of its music. In that chord is sounded the key note which is never lost till the plaintive melody dies away at the song's end. All that follows is that thought put in varying light. 
I wish it were possible to reproduce here the light in his face and the interchange of tones in his mellow voice as he went on. He talked of how the varied needs of the sheep and the many-sided care of the shepherd are pictured with masterly touch in the short sentences of the psalm. Each is distinct and adds something too precious to be merged and lost, he said. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, in nourishment and rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The scene changes, and so do the meaning. You think here of quietly flowing streams, so you get one more picture of rest. But you miss one of the finest scenes in shepherd life and one of the rarest blessings of the soul that is led of God. All through the day's roaming, the shepherd keeps one thing in mind— He must lead his flock to a drinking place. The refreshment of good water makes the coveted hour of all the day. The spot where it is found amid the rough waterless hills and plains is the crowning token of the shepherd's unfailing thoughtfulness. When at last the sheep are led beside the still waters, how good it is after the dust and heat of the sheep walks. Would you get the shepherd meaning here? Then remember that streams are few in the shepherd country of Bible lands. The shepherds do not rely on them. Even where streams are found, their beds and banks are usually broken and their flow rough. Sheep are timid and fear a current of water, as they well may, for they are easily carried downstream because of their wool. Poor things, how do they ever get a good drink, exclaimed one of the two little maids, whose heart was always open lovingly to animals. The shepherd sees to that, doesn't he? said the other timidly with earnest eyes set on our guest. His face beamed with winsome relish of these tributes to his success. Yes, the sheep would indeed have a hard time finding water to drink were it not that the shepherd sees to it. The playfulness faded from his eyes as the shadow of manhood's years was there as he said to me, Brother, you and I have learned how much is in that question and answer. How would we get the refreshment we need in the rough world if the shepherd did not see to that? But he does. He does. His face brightened again as he turned to the four blue eyes across the table. Shall I tell you how the shepherd sees to it that the sheep have a good drink every day? Listen. There are wells and fountains all through the vast regions where the flocks roam, and in some parts there are cisterns, though the sheep like the living water best. The shepherds know where these drinking places are, all through the treeless country where streams are few. It is a fine sight to see the shepherds bring their flocks beside the still waters at some well or fountain, while the wide, silent country over which they and many other sheep have wandered spreads all around them, and the full expanse of the sky arches over them. The shepherd makes a certain sound. All his sheep lie down and are quiet. Then he fills the drinking troughs. The bubbling of the fountain or the current, if it be by a stream, is no longer there to trouble the sheep. They can drink now undisturbed. This is the delicate meaning of that word, still. As the Hebrew words put it, he leadeth beside the waters of quietness. Then the waiting sheep hear a whistle or a call. They never misunderstand. They know their shepherd's voice and never respond to the wrong shepherd if several flocks have come up together. 
and strangest of all. The sheep come up by groups. The shepherd makes them understand. So in groups he leads them until they stand beside the still waters. And oh, how they drink with the shepherd standing near. After a pause with a far-off look in his eyes, he said, It is a beautiful scene, so beautiful that St. John has used it in picturing heaven. A smile broke over his face as he quoted, The lamb that is in the midst of the throne shall be their shepherd and shall guide them unto fountains of waters of life. No one spoke as he sat turning his teacup. A tear started from his dropped eyes, and presently he seemed to recall himself. But I must tell you one more scene that comes to my memory whenever I read the words, He leadeth me beside the still waters. It would make a beautiful picture if someone would paint it. Up in the mountainsides of Lebanon, where my kinsmen have long been shepherds, often there are no regular drinking places, such as the wells and fountains on the plains. But as the shepherd leads his sheep over the rough slopes, he finds many a spring and sees its rivulet noisily running down a crevice. His sheep need water. They cannot drink from the leaping little stream. What does he do? He finds a suitable turn or nook in its course. He walls it up with a little dam and so holds the water till it forms a quiet pool. Then right there on the open hills, he leads his sheep beside the still waters. I know of nothing more fit to picture the shepherd's care of souls that trust him than that scene up there on the mountainside. While our thoughts were carried away to these scenes of thirsty flocks drinking, I chanced to notice that the t-ball was again quietly at work. As we sat thinking on that picture up in the mountain, a good hand offered our guest a fresh cup. He received it with a low bow, sipped it in quiet, then with a grateful smile began speaking again. He restoreth my soul. You know, he said, turning to me, that soul means the life or one's self in the Hebrews' writings. Then addressing us all, he went on, There are perilous places for the sheep on all sides, and they seem never to learn to avoid them. The shepherd must ever be on the watch. And there are private fields and sometimes gardens and vineyards here and there in the shepherd country. If the sheep stray into them and be caught there, it is forfeited to the owner of the land. So he restoreth my soul, means the shepherd brings me back and rescues me from fatal and forbidden places. Restores me when wandering is the way it is put in one of our hymns, I interposed. Ah, sir, that is it exactly, he answered. Restores me when wandering. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Often have I roamed through the shepherd country in my youth and seen how hard it is to choose the right path for the sheep. One leads to a precipice, another to a place where the sheep cannot find the way back. And the shepherd was always going ahead, leading them in the right paths, proud of his good name as a shepherd. Some paths that are right paths still lead through places that have deadly perils. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, is the way the psalm touches this fact in shepherd life. This way of naming the valley is very true to our country. I remember one near my home called the Valley of Robbers and another the Ravine of the Raven. You see, the Valley of the Shadow of Death is a name drawn from my country's old custom. For thou art with me. Ah, how could more be put into few words? 
With the sheep, it matters not what the surroundings are, nor how great the perils and hardships. If only the shepherd is with them, they are content. There is no finer picture of the way of peace for the troubled in all the world. To show how much the presence of the shepherd counts for the welfare of the sheep, I can think of nothing better than the strange thing I now tell you. It is quite beyond the usual daily care on which the flock depends so fondly, but I have seen it more than once. Sometimes, in spite of all the care of the shepherd and his dogs, a wolf gets into the very midst of the flock. The sheep are wild with fright. They run and leap and make it impossible to get at the foe in their midst, who at that very moment may be fastening his teeth in the throat of a helpless member of the flock. But the shepherd is with them. He knows what to do even at such a time. He leaps to a rock or hillock that he may be seen and heard. Then he lifts his voice in a long call, something like a wolf's cry. On hearing this, the sheep remember the shepherd. They heed his voice, and strange to tell, the poor, timid creatures, which were helpless with terror before, instantly rush with all their strength into a solid mass. The pressure is irresistible. The wolf is overcome. Frequently is he crushed to death, while the shepherd stands there on a rock crying, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He paused, looking questioningly at one another. Yes, I said at last, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He bowed his satisfaction in silence. Thy rod and thy staff. This also is true to life. The double expression covers the whole round of protecting care. For the shepherds carry a crook for guiding the sheep and a weapon suitable for defending them, the rod and the staff. One for aiding them in places of need along peaceful ways, the other for defense in perils of robbers and wild beasts. This saying describes with the ease of mastery how much those words mean. Thou art with me. And what shall I say of the next words? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Ah, madam, you should see the sheep cuddle near the shepherd to understand that word. They comfort me. The shepherd's call and the answering patter of feet as the sheep hurry to him are fit sounds to be chosen out of the noisy world to show what comfort God gives to souls that heed his voice. And those sounds have been heard in my country this day as they were the day this shepherd's psalm was written. He sat in silence a moment, musing as if the sound were in his ear. With quiet animation, he lifted his thin hand and continued, Now here is where you drop the shepherd figure and put in a banquet and so lose the fine climax of completeness in the shepherd's care. It need not be said that we were eager listeners now, for our guest was all aglow with memories of his far-off homeland, and we felt that we were about to see new rays of light flash from this rarest gem in the song treasury of the world. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. In the same hushed voice in which he quoted these words, he added, Ah, to think that the shepherd's highest skill and heroism should be lost from view as the psalm begins to sing of it, and only an indoor banquet is thought of. Again, he sat a little time in quiet, and then he said, The word for table here means simply something spread out, 
and so a prepared meal, however it is, set forth. There is no higher task of the shepherd in my country than to go from time to time to study places and examine the grass and find a good and safe feeding place for his sheep. All his skill and often great heroism are called for. There are many poisonous plants in the grass, and the shepherd must find and avoid them. The sheep will not eat certain poisonous things, but there are some which they will eat, one kind of poisonous grass in particular. A cousin of mine once lost 300 sheep by a mistake in this hard task. Then there are snake holes in some kinds of ground, and if they be not driven away, the snakes bite the noses of the sheep. The shepherd sometimes burns the fat of hogs along the ground to do this. Sometimes the shepherd finds ground where moles have worked their holes just under the surface. Snakes lie in these holes with their heads sticking up, ready to bite the grazing sheep. The shepherds know how to drive them away as they go along ahead of the sheep. And around the feeding ground, which the shepherd thus prepares in holes and caves in the hillsides there are jackals wolves hyenas and panthers too and the bravery and skill of the shepherd are at the highest point in closing up these dens with stones or slaying the wild beast with his long-bladed knife of nothing do you hear shepherds boasting more proudly than of their achievements in this part of their care of flocks and now he exclaimed with a beaming countenance and suppressed feeling, as if pleading for recognition of the lone shepherd's bravest act of devotion to his sheep. And now do you not see the shepherd figure in that quaint line, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies? Yes, I answered, and I see that God's care of a man out in the world is a grander thought than that of seating him at an indoor banquet table. But what about anointing the head with oil and the cup running over? Go on, my friend. Oh, there begins the beautiful picture at the end of the day. The psalm has sung of the whole round of the day's wandering, all the needs of the sheep, all the care of the shepherd. Now the psalm closes with the last scene of the day. At the door of the sheepfold, the shepherd stands and the rotting of the sheep takes place. The shepherd stands, turning his body to let the sheep pass. He is the door, as Christ said of himself. With his rod, he holds back the sheep while he inspects them one by one as they pass into the fold. He has the horn filled with olive oil, and he has cedar tar, and he anoints a knee bruised on the rocks or a side scratched by thorns. And here comes one that is not bruised, but is simply worn and exhausted. And he bathes its face and head with the refreshing olive oil. And he takes the large two-handled cup and dips it brimming full from the vessel of water provided for that purpose. And he lets the weary sheep drink. There is nothing finer in the psalm than this. God's care is not for the wounded only, but for the worn and weary also. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And then, when the day is done and the sheep are snug within the fold, what contentment, what rest under the starry sky. Then comes the thought of deepest repose and comfort. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
as they have through all the wanderings of the day, now ended. The song dies away as the heart that God has watched and tended breathes this grateful vow before the roaming of the day is forgotten in sleep. I will, not shall, but will, for it is a decision, a settled purpose, a holy vow. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the song ends, and the sheep are at rest, safe in the good shepherd's fold. Do you wonder that ever since that night we have called this psalm the song of our Syrian guest? As I close this book on one of my favorite reads of all time, I hope you can see why it is one of my favorites. To think that God goes before us, almost with a torch in hand lit up with the fire of his presence. He sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He burns out all the snakes and the poisons. He takes that torch and waves it in front of himself as he moves through the fields. And the flame of his presence causes the enemy's presence to have to be known and to be seen. And then he begins to spread out for us a table, if you will, a place for us to be with him that we can eat and be nourished in all of the ways that he cares for us. You know, it is in all of this that we realize it's not how smooth the path or how difficult the path. It's the fact that we are with him. This is the only motivation to continue on and to press forward, isn't it? And so just as back in 1990, dear friends of Wynn and I, at a very tender time in our life, gave us this book as a gift. And I thank God for the people in our lives that gave such richness to us in so many ways. And now I've passed it on to you here on Tent Talk. Thanks for being with me today, and I pray that his presence will increase and deepen, that your capacity for him is right now being enlarged. Think upon these things, my friends, and you are some of my favorite people, and I thank God for you. Love you all. Until next time. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.